How do social inequalities intersect to worsen the health disparity of indigenous communities? Hello everyone, today I will talk about the effects of colonialism on indigenous health outcomes, focusing on the HIV AIDS epidemic specifically. Before we dive into the topic, I want to define and explain a couple of key concepts that will help us answer this question. Briefly, social determinants of health are social factors that can affect a person's health outcomes. These factors can include a person's race, class, level of education, and life conditions such as food and housing insecurity. Social determinants of health are especially relevant when discussing the health of minority groups that are normally oppressed by the system, such as indigenous peoples. And as you can probably already guess, they are affected by many of these factors due to colonialism. But how exactly do these factors come into play during an epidemic to make the situation worse? Well, there is a framework first proposed by Merrill Singer called the Syndemics Framework that describes how social conditions can affect a population and expose it to interacting diseases that synergize together to worsen these social conditions further. To unpack this a bit, let's first listen to a CBC interview with a doctor about the healthcare services that Indigenous people lack. Uh, my name is Mike Curlew. I'm um, one of the physicians in the Sioux Lookout region. I, I work up in Wapakika, Ontario, and I work uh, in Sioux Lookout. When you came to the north, yeah. what did you think the first time? I remember just being like, wow, this kind of existed, and I, this sort of apartheid system existed, and it was kind of under my nose for all those years. You didn't, you didn't even really see it. I remember not really learning about it in school. I didn't know for years that they had hospitals for Indigenous people and different hospitals for everybody else. You kind of get a crash course of that when you, when you come to this region. Yeah. Okay. When I look at what people are asking for, a lot of times it's basic stuff. I have my kid, my kid can't talk. Can they get access to some services? I'm looking after my, my relative or family member, and I, I need some home care. I need, I need somebody to help me out. Can I get some services? And you, know what, and you know what's interesting? Because, you know, when you contrast that to what's available in the provincial system, it's like night and day. From this clip, we can see firsthand how the healthcare system set for Indigenous people is extremely underdeveloped. As Dr. Curlew notes, Indigenous people don't even have much access to the basic care that other groups have. This is a stark contrast to the healthcare they had before colonialism, as in the early days before the settlers came to Canada, Indigenous peoples were reported to rarely have diseases and had long-standing practices to maintain high quality of life. After settler contact, Indigenous people became vulnerable to diseases they never encountered before and thus severely suffered from them. This led Indigenous people to seek and negotiate several treaties, of which included the right to the provision of medical care to ensure the health and well-being of Indigenous communities thereafter. Dr. Curlew also mentions in his interview that there is a segregation in the healthcare system, which discriminates against Indigenous people, 
leaving them unable to care for themselves and their family because of the lack of services available. This is a clear example of how the federal government often dismisses discussions about indigenous health care on the grounds that it is outside the realm of the treaties because it is not written in text despite oral histories and ample evidence that says otherwise. The disconnect between the Crown and the interpretation of the promises made during the treaty negotiations has led to negative impacts on the health of Indigenous people in addition to the stereotypes and racial discrimination that surround these communities over the years. Not only has the government failed to keep their promises for providing medical care, they also inflicted a lot of pain and suffering on Indigenous communities through the introduction of residential schools. This traumatic experience damaged the individual and brought shame onto their identity as an indigenous person and resulted in the engagement of negative coping mechanisms for some. These coping mechanisms such as substance abuse can be risk factors for HIV, ensuing a rise to the number of cases of AIDS among indigenous people. Carol Jones, an HIV-positive indigenous woman, says, when I first moved home, I think it was 1415, just started high school, something, 1415, something like that. And that's when I realized, okay, I'm Indian. I'm not a city person. I'm native. My aunt was the first one to th that taught me how to do crafts. She was always into the moccasins and the quills and the beading, and I absolutely love it. Keeps me grounded, keeps me focused. Because if I'm busy, I'm not busy thinking of who's got drugs, who's got this, who's got that, who can help me put those nails in my coffin. It should be recognized that the use of drugs can be seen as a way for many to escape the pains of reality, as Joan notes how she thinks people with drugs can help put nails in her coffin. Due to colonialism, indigenous communities experience a destabilization in their lives for which they feel the need to get away from the structural violence that resulted from colonialism. As mentioned, colonialism changed the perceptions of identity for indigenous people, and we will listen to Krista Shore and her experience with her identity as both indigenous and HIV positive. Being a youth that was diagnosed, uh, you know, at the age of 24 years old, I had to face the shame of the illness right off. I had to go buckle through it and, you know, dissect the shame. Why did I feel so, you know, dirty? Why did I think so low of myself? It has been quite the journey and one that I have come out the other end feeling whole and feeling better about myself, more understanding of myself and having more forgiveness for myself and the choices that I've made this life. Along this journey, it hasn't always been, you know, strong and it hasn't always been sunshine and great teachings. I have had some harmful things in my journey because of the lack of understanding and a lack of education out in our communities. And um, when we look at HIV as a whole, it's the stigma that remains to be the killer that leaves people voiceless and in gaps. Due to the effects of residential schools and even foster homes, many Indigenous people experience what is called ethnostress, 
When the cultural beliefs or identity of an individual is disrupted, causing negative experiences with the culture, the members of the culture, and even themselves. I by Jones when she mentioned the shock she felt when she realized she was Native. But in addition to this feeling of shame and shock of being an Indigenous person, people living with HIV experience stigma even from their own community due to the lack of education and understanding, as Shore mentioned. This presents a problem as the healthcare that Indigenous people receive and their health outcomes are also deeply rooted with their identity. Facing constant racism, eventually Indigenous people start to express signs of mental and physical exhaustion from the engagement of stress response mechanisms to cope with discrimination. In the context of the healthcare system, Indigenous people lack access to services and face social determinants of health that increase their health disparity, but they also experience racism from healthcare providers themselves. This result in Indigenous people not actively seeking for healthcare, which is especially critical for the diagnosis of and treatment for HIV. Stigma and racism that produces unequal power relations between groups is a concrete manifestation of colonialism that serves, the, that serves white supremacy and impacts a whole population, even if they are from different geographical locations. Driven by colonialism, social determinants of health such as racism, poverty, lack of health care, and substance abuse are part of the HIV syndemic that synergize to create a larger health disparity in indigenous communities.